On today's episode of the Corey Andrews Podcast, we finally talk football as Avery, Stange, and I recap the first half of the NFL season. We'll talk teams that exceeded expectations and greatly disappointed before we move on to hand out midseason awards and make our playoff predictions. Before we talk all things football, the Corey Andrews Podcast is always brought to you by my Twitch. Good news, I'm now a Twitch affiliate. So if you get tired of seeing ads, just subscribe to my Twitch channel and you get access to my chat during streams, clips, and no more ads. We try to stream Monday to Friday now and mostly play Among Us and Pokemon Sword, the Crown Tundra. So if you're a fan of the party game genre, mysteries, RPGs, or whodunits, check out my Twitch now at twitch.tv slash Corcacola1. That's twitch.tv slash C-O-R-K-A. C-O-L-A-1. Feel free to also follow my Twitch's Twitter profile, at Corcacola1, for the latest updates regarding schedules, streams, and more. Without further ado, are you ready for some football? All right, everybody, I know. I know. I have done no pods. I've talked nothing about football at all since I've had this podcast. But on episode number 11, that streak is over. We're going to give you a full first half of the NFL season recap. And who better to talk about the NFL than on his record fourth appearance on the podcast, it's Avery Martini. How are we doing? Talking NFL, Bud Light in hand, college football on behind me. Everything's all right in the world. Well, almost everything. But yeah, let's Uh, keep going. Yeah. And (laughs) making his podcast debut – It'll be a name all of you are going to be very familiar with for a long time here. It's Matt St. Ange. Hey, man. Yeah. You know what? College football's on. It's a Saturday. It's beautiful outside. Yes. Uh, there are plenty of things that could be better, but always things that could be worse. So, at the end of the day, life is good. We have NFL football to talk about. We do. And you know what? I feel like that's the biggest tragedy of me not doing a pod for almost three months is that I missed out on all of this NFL football. So right away, let's just go right into it, guys. Uh, It's been quite the season. Obviously, all the storylines are going around what impact Rona's had, but we're not talking about that. Uh, Right away, like, let's just go through like some of the surprise teams. So right away, like, what teams have you really liked that quite honestly, you didn't have high hopes for entering the year? Well, I got to be honest. I think, I think we all share the same opinion here that the first team that comes to mind when you talk surprise is the Miami Dolphins, man. Brian Flores, we all knew he was on the come up last year. He comes out of the New England coaching tree and arguably to this point could be considered the best to come out of that coaching tree early in his career for sure. Um, he's brought that team around so far. And you saw from the offseason signings this year in the secondary, expanding on Xavier Howard and adding Byron Jones, as well as Kyle Van Noy, that they just built up such a strong team early in the season. Yeah, it's definitely premature. But when you look at, like, Romeo Cornell and Matt Patricia and McDaniels all coming from the New England coaching tree, and when they do get their shot, they just fall right flat on their face. So it's nice to see a little bit of a uptick here. A um, little surprised, but actually not surprised at all with the benching of uh, Brian Fitzpatrick after he kind of led that team, and that was really his team. And everyone loves Fitzpatrick. I think he's like the one guy in the NFL that no matter what team you like, even if you're an NFC, yeah, AFC East 
fan where the, the Jets, I know the Jets fans might have a little sour taste in their mouth with him for blowing that game, but he's just such a likable guy. But I get you, you got to know what you have in um, Tua. So you need to see if you want to move on, but just kind of like the Cardinals did. But man, everything they do is just looking real well. And on top of that, like they are now the face of the AFC East with the Bills because they are one, two in the AFC East right now. Bills first, but obviously the Patriots and with Brady leaving, that's the fading of the old guard in that division who's run it for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And this is the new beginning. The Jets are the Jets. They're going to be last for as long as we know them. But, <laughs> uh, but no, the Dolphins have been a great story. But Stodge, I know you in particular love what the now Las Vegas Raiders have done this year as well. Dude, John Gruden just knows how to put an offense together, man. And trust me when I say that their defense, it's terrible. Up until last week against the, the Browns, they really hadn't put together any stout defensive showings. But, the, I mean, you're making Derek Carr look two or three tiers above what it is that he's actually – what he is talent-wise. You've put some great weapons around him. I mean, Henry Ruggs is a touch away. I mean, I, I always like to joke that he's – for anyone who's seen One Punch Man, he's the one touch man. Because you give him the ball and he's gone to the end zone. It's just unreal. Um, And Josh Jacobs, who I personally feel has kind of underperformed through the first half of the season, which to me states that that offense is only going to get better. And they've already pulled off a win against the Chiefs in the first half of that two-game series. Yeah, and while I I do agree to an extent, but going back on what you said above what his talent is, I've always had Carr and Stafford slated as my most underrated and underappreciated quarterbacks in the league. So it's really good to finally see at least one of them getting the appreciation he deserves with this kind of offense. Cause I really do think Carr is a good quarterback. He just really hasn't had the opportunity, the offense. Now that he has rugs, a guy that he can just air it out to, and he's probably going to beat that damn corner. Cause no matter what you ain't catching him. It's really good to see one of them. I wish it was Stafford. I really love Stafford, but. It's really good to see one of them really take a take off a little bit. And you could even say with uh, the Raiders and Sanj, you mentioned uh, the rushing attack hasn't been quite what it was last year when Jacobs was really like the favorite for offensive rookie of the year up until the award was given and all of a sudden Kyler. But I mean, they've had some offensive line issues, a couple injuries. Trent Brown's been in and out of the lineup with Rona and uh, a rare emergency room visit last week or however that resulted in and of itself. But yeah. they, they drafted a bunch of weapons and rugs. Uh, I'm excited for what Brian Edwards could do, uh, eventually being that uh, receiver on the other side. And they spent some high picks on corners, like Damon Arnett this year had Rona, so he's a little slow at the gate. But if they have him and Nixon at corner, and then you see LaMarcus Joyner in the slot or at safety – if they get another safety, they put a ton of money at linebacker. Uh, I mean, the defense is putting pieces together, but that offense is very fun. I'm very excited for what they can do. In that I, I, I was really excited to see what Jonathan Abram has to offer. That was really something I was looking forward to. Yeah, I definitely agree there. And I think that they made one of the most underrated um, acquisitions this past offseason with Corey Littleton. Mm. Um He's, he was so slept on when he was on the Rams and just kind of in, uh, in the vein of like a Blake Martinez that he's just all reliable. The guy is so stout in the middle that, I mean, he's played a, he's paid big dividends so far this year for the Raiders defense. 
I mean, disagree to an extent. <laughs> As a Giants fan, I hate Blake. I hate Blake Martinez. I hate him. I, I hate him. I think he's so overrated. <laughs> he's, I, he's having the greatest year of his career, which is unbelievable. I just never, I never liked him going into the season. But yeah. he's, but he's really, he's really, he's playing well. Yes. Yeah, so until. We do some things. I know the defense has been great for the Giants. I don't talk about the Giants because they're fucking awful. But I don't know. He looks good. I just never liked him going in. I mean, I feel like I warned everybody when this signing happened. And you both of you are Giants fans for – I mean, all of you listening now know about Avery's Giants fandom by now. But Stange is also in the Giants fan club. So I warned these guys, and they all know their stuff. So I didn't have to really warn them, but – Blake Martinez got a lot of empty numbers in Green Bay because that front seven is terrible. So it'd be, it'd be rushed, uh, running backs just running right past their defensive line and kind of running past Martinez for like a nine-yard carry every time. It's like, oh, here's the tackle. <laughs> so yeah, he'd, be, and- he'd be leading in tackles like three out of the four years he was in Green Bay. And I was like, well, did you really watch him? Because <laughs> it wasn't and that exactly great. And going, going back into that, the reason why – you didn't have to convince me of that as my father yeah. is a Packers fan okay. and subtle flex, both owners in the Packers bought a little stock in them, you know, but <laughs> I've with, with him being a Packers fan, I watched so many Packers games. And even though he was leading the team in tackles year after year, after year, after year, it, they were really empty tackles. And I noticed that and he did as well. Um, really don't think he, he should have got a little more, uh, I guess, negative publicity with his coverage abilities. Oh, for sure. And I think it can be argued that he is still most definitely overpaid because, in my opinion, this is going to end up being the peak year of that contract for him. And it's the wrong year for the Giants to be getting peak mar- or peak performance from a high-priced free agent signing. If anything, we can talk about their other big signing, James Bradbury, who has been significantly better. But we don't need to fall down the Giants' rabbit hole because that, that – that's a podcast about really yeah. bad teams that we could save for another day. Yeah, yeah, guys, I was like, wait a minute. We're talking about, like, surprises and good teams here. Like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> I mean, if you want to go through, like, preseason over-unders, you could say uh, the Packers have overperformed what a lot of people expected them to be a down year, relatively speaking. I mean, you could look at what they did last year. They played a lot of weaker opponents, that 13-3 and record, but still made it to the NFC Championship game, got destroyed by San Francisco. but. I mean, they have shown no signs of slowing down, and Aaron Rodgers is an MVP candidate. Yes, he is, although I don't think he is the MVP candidate. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, The one argument that I'll make against the Green Bay Packers is we've now seen it a lot in recent weeks that they tend to play down to their competition. In Tampa Bay, they were completely stifled, and in Minnesota – they were just – they were ran all over. I mean, Dalvin Cook had a historical kind of day against the Green Bay Packers, and that's something that they hadn't had too bad of a problem with before he showed up. So it, I think that while, yes, the Packers look extremely good right now and Aaron Rodgers is saying, hey, you guys didn't want to give me any extra talent, well, I'll show you how good I could be with just Devontae Adams, basically. <laughs> Um, I still don't see them going far when the games really start to count. I would never, while I agree, I will just never, ever doubt that man again. No matter what he's given, 
no matter what his front office doesn't give him, which is literally anything. They give him backup quarterbacks and backup running backs each year in the draft. He just seems to always have that spark lit under his ass. Yeah, right, fuck you guys. I'm going to win this game now. Defense is really not that good other, outside of, you know, Jerry Alexander and the cornerback situation. I really like the secondary, although they haven't been performing that great. The front seven, not so good. The drafting of the front seven has been not so good. So basically Rodgers and Devontae Adams against the world. And I want to see how far that goes. Yeah, it's a very – top-heavy team when you think about it. Really, the only two guys that have done, like, extremely well in their defense are, like, Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander. Mm -hmm. And on the offense, you look at it, it's really been Rodgers, Devontae Adams. And Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones. And you could even, if you want to throw offensive linemen, even though they don't really have stats, so to speak, Bakhtiari's Bakhtiari's been unbelievable again. The best tackle in the league. And I think it's absolutely certain at this point. Yeah, I, I think we even mentioned that when we did that redraft with Bakhtiari, that listen, this guy is an absolute monster. No one realizes it or no one respects it enough. No one talks about him enough because it's Rodgers all the time. Didn't we end up taking him top five in that redraft? It might have been one. It, it was definitely I, I think it high. was, right? I think it, it might was have been one. one. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was I, one. I, I think that was uh, the draft where they had a lot of tackles to begin with, and we're like, no, Bakhtiari is better than all. Oh, yeah, you know what? It. We did. We took him one because uh, the Chiefs were one and they well, took that, that was the Fisher. Fi- that was the Fisher draft, yeah. Yeah, so we're like, uh, Bakhtiari is better than – Everybody, <laughs> like number <laughs> <Exactly>. one, <laughs> number one. There you go. So, so yeah, but no, he is perennially underrated by everybody, and I mean, he is by far deserving to be top left tackle in the game club for sure. Oh, without a doubt. But then you look at what they've done as far as drafting for the defensive line on the other side of the ball, and just, I mean, Rashawn Gary right now looking like a huge disappointment. I mean, this guy had some top billing for being one of those. Not quite fully rounded, but freak athletic sort of sort of defensive lineman coming out of good old. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> Look at him now with the Green Bay Packers. Has not been Man, performing to the level. The, the big yet. three in Michigan that year: you got Bush, you got Gary, and you got Winovich. And who would have thought that he was the one that wasn't going to be good? <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're wondering who Avery's talking about, Devin Bush from the Steelers, who now is out for the year. But which, unfortunately, which is a really bad injury for them. Uh, that defense would have been so scary. It already is scary, but with him, wow. And Top five uh, linebackers in the Winovich NFL right so now, good. if you ask me. Yeah, and then Chase Winovich on the Patriots turned from a uh, just a, like a kind of rotational mid-round pick at defensive end to all of a sudden a stud on a sixth defensive lineman <laughs> roster yeah. on the Patriots right exactly. now. And he'll get, he'll get paid kind somewhere the, nothing. He's done kind of what the Eagles hoped Derek Barnett would turn into, if you ask me. I mean, mm-hmm. just to make a quick comp, he's yeah. showing up and showing out over there in New England. Mm-hmm. 100%. And that's why we keep taking defensive ends, put pressure on Barnett. It's like, hey, you seen uh, this guy, Josh Sweat? He's really good. Like, he's going to take your playing time and your contract. Like, bye, <laughs> bye, Barnett. I mean, listen, I was fine with taking him for Sam Bradford from the Vikings. Thank you. Again, Vikings. But uh, he recovered the fumble of the Super Bowl. So I'll take that. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we could go over some other, like, major, like, overachievers, I guess, so to speak. Like, the Buccaneers have been really good this year. But we all knew they were going to be pretty good to begin with. But it seems like Brady's starting to really find his uh, – and click with these receivers, even though now they're all starting to come back. And he added his good buddy Antonio Brown to the mix now. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think Antonio Brown, actually, as we're going into this weekend's games, is going to be particularly interesting because I, I don't see Godwin playing a role in the offense. Reports that I've read coming up into this week were that Godwin, while he was practicing, was still not actively catching balls. And, I mean, I don't think you want yeah. to put a star like that out there to block. So, At the same time, I don't think they care. I think they're going to play Godwin. I don't think he's going to, you know, re, they're worried about the whole re-injury factor here. They're saying it's more of a pain management kind of thing where if, you know, if he can deal with the pain, he's going to keep going. Obviously a contract year for him. He wants to keep playing. I don't think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to pay him. So I don't think they have any concern with, hey, I don't want you to play yet. So I think they're just going to throw him to the wolves. He's going to want to play. I think he's going to tough it out for that reason so he can get the big paycheck that he probably deserves at this point. And on top of that, like, it gives – now that they have Antonio Brown, like, Godwin can play more slot at the expense of Scotty Miller, unfortunately. But, um, I mean, you know how much Brady loves his slot guys and all those routes up the middle because yeah. we've seen him throw out routes the last couple of years, and it's not pretty. But Well, Swelker 2.0. Yeah, it's just another weapon to add in another area <clears throat> where Brady loves to thrive. And even with all those tight ends they have in Tampa, it really didn't matter to begin with. And that defense is – great Carlton Davis looked terrible his rookie year he has mm-hmm. been ungodly this year I mean top three corner this year in the league hey man Carlton Davis I'm just saying Auburn kid I mm-hmm. called that from day one I knew how good he was I knew that he was going to need some transitions on he is showing out right now for the Buccaneers and he's got all the talent to keep climbing in those rankings if we're being yeah. honest um but one other big point that I want to make on the Bucks' offense, though, is if you ask me, watching in this weekend's games, I would not surprise at all to see there being a lot of telegraphing of the ball over to Antonio Brown due to the fact that you already saw with the Patriots experiment that he is such an advocate for having this guy on his teams. And he, in this situation, because he's already kind of been burned once with Brown getting cut one week after joining the Patriots, he wants to prove that he's right. He wants to be able to say, look, I've been advocating for this guy. Look how talented he is. Look how amazing he is. And watch him stay out of trouble. So it'll be interesting to watch this weekend. And quickly going back to the Bucks, both offensive and defensive side here. Yes, they get Brady and they're getting Antonio Brown, but look how well they're drafting, taking Wirfs as the first, uh, their first pick or the, the, their left tackle after, what, four left tackles are taken, three left tackles are taken. He looks like to be the best one. And then you move to the second round, they're taking Antoine Winfield, who we'll talk about later, could win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at how they're drafting and what they already have and adding Tom Brady and now adding Antonio Brown. I was skeptical at first of how good this team can be, but watch out. Yeah, and they definitely look like the best team in the division week in and week out because we haven't seen – now, granted, Michael Thomas hasn't been playing for much at all this year for a variety of reasons, but the Saints really haven't hit that level that we've seen them hit in the last few years where we're like, ah, there it is. We've seen Drew Brees still not look peak Brees really ever again. He's probably, not going to get there ever again. No, the, the arm's done. Uh, this is probably his last year in all honesty. He won't say it, but we've seen like the talks with NBC on broadcasting after his career's over and the rumor was it would be after the season. So, mm-hmm. um, but it, the Saints just haven't looked like that team. Uh, obviously, Atlanta's a train wreck, and Carolina still needs to redo a lot uh, defensively before they become competitive. But the 
Tampa Bay is the class of that division for sure. I agree. Yeah, definitely. The one thing that worries me there, though, is Tampa Bay has already lost one game in the series with New Orleans. And if they lose this weekend, I'd argue that that's going to end up winning New Orleans the division, even with them underperforming the way they are, just because of how crucial that tiebreaker is and the way that record um, that schedules look going through the rest of the season. Right, and let's also not forget that we're saying Breeze will never be to the where he was, but saying that that doesn't mean much because Breeze was a you know a top five quarterback of all time, most accurate, maybe top two most accurate passers in the league. So maybe a breeze not that at the top level is still a top 10 quarterback, and that's fine. And when you bring back Michael Thomas and you have the likes of Alvin Kamara, if they can figure out a couple other things on the defensive side as well, they can make some noise. So just to run through the schedules for these two teams, the Bucks are up half a game in the division standings at 6-2. and two, Saints are 5-2. and two. So as we mentioned, uh, Bucks will host the Saints on Sunday night football tomorrow night which by the time you're listening to this will be tonight, hopefully. Then next week they're uh, at Carolina. Then they're hosting the Rams on Monday Night Football. Then they're hosting the Chiefs. Then it's their bye week, hosting the Vikings at Atlanta, at Detroit, hosting Atlanta. So Atlanta, Detroit, Atlanta. What a gauntlet to end the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely like a, a little stretch there where – could run into some trouble and, you know, you'll see NFL live freak out, but. The and then the, three quarters of those games will be tough. Yeah. <laughs> and you get to the fourth and you know, they're going to win. <laughs> that is true. Now the state schedule looks a little bit lighter. So obviously the Sunday night game at Tampa, then they're hosting the 49ers, which will be still missing a lot of weapons as we've seen on Thursday, uh, hosting the Falcons at Denver at Atlanta at Philly, hosting the Chiefs, hosting the Vikings, at Carolina to close out the year. So I consider that a significantly easier schedule, if we're being honest. So yeah. So right back to my point. Yeah, right back to that point. It's that the Saints need this game to really get a leg up on Tampa for that division, because obviously the advantage with this top wild card team of the NFC, you're going to play at whoever wins that NFC East trash division probably philly in all likelihood let's be honest so you, you'll be able to get let's be honest kind of a coast in win against philly week one before you have to play what either uh green bay seattle or you know whoever wins the south mm-hmm. in the second round so could be interesting either way but another team that's done tremendously well this year seattle seahawks i mean let russ cook that's, that's really it, right? <laughs> I mean, my MVP candidate for the year, as we'll mm-hmm. talk about in a little while here, he's been spectacular. We already knew that he had two of the, in my opinion, top 15 receivers in the NFL. Uh, one top five, one top – I mean, one to, maybe two top ten, because one top five, one top ten, I'd say. Um, but then in addition to that, you introduce what Chris Carson's been able to do on the season. He continues to just – perennially pleasantly surprised me with how well he plays on a yearly basis and his receiving chops have really come around too, which just boosts what Russ is able to do. And then for some reason that defense is able to do just enough on a weekly basis. All right. Let me, let me rattle off some names for you. when talking about the Seahawks. 
Marquise Brown, Nikhil Harry, Debo <laughs> Samuel, J.J. Arcegia Whiteside, uh, A.J. Brown, Miko Hardman. What do these names have in common? They were all taken before DJ, D.K. Metcalf in the draft last year. Receiver-wise. All taken Don't before receive. D.K. Metcalf in the draft. Why? I don't know. That guy is Megatron 2.0. He's unbelievable. And when you already have Lockett, who I was never a big fan of, but he shows up when he needs to show up. And when he shows up, he's a top five, top three even receiver in the league when he does show up. Great fantasy guy to have. Don't have any stock in him, but I don't have him. But then you add Megatron 2.0, and he's just so good. He's big. He's strong. He's obviously fast. You saw the Cardinals game. What can he do? And when you know, and you have a guy like Russell Wilson, you just add like that's why I wish the Packers would add someone like this for Rodgers. When you have these kind of weapons, you're just gonna win. It, it's it, it it's that simple. And the fact that the Packers front office can't put two and two together and draft the damn wide receivers for this man is astounding. You mean you don't like uh, the backup quarterback who's on the COVID oh. list, uh, the backup running back, the second round is on the COVID list, and the backup fullback in the third round who it's doesn't like, play? Like, <laughs> what? Like, I, I can do better. I can do a better job. They are completely wasting the most talented quarterback that I have ever seen. They're wasting his career. But Pure talent-wise, I definitely agree. Pure talent, best I've ever seen. Yeah. But for sure – the Seahawks have definitely taken a step up. And we could even say that without Jamal Adams, who was their marquee acquisition this year, giving up a first-round pick and then some for him, for two years of him, really, on that contract. And he's barely played this year, and Seahawks have been fine. I won't say they've been tremendous defensively, because they haven't, and they're still weak back there. But we could certainly say that offensively, that team has just ramped it up to a whole new level and honestly, Lockett, for a guy that when they drafted just expected to be a really good returner, they never expected him to be a receiver. For him to be this good, this fast, this consistently, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean – And I, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe Isabella and Paris Campbell were also drafted before DK Metcalf. They were. That so. is correct. Shaking my head. <laughs> um, and let's not also forget, too, right, that you talk about Lockett and how truly underrated he is. Have you seen what his current contract looks like? Because it hurts, like physically, how little he's getting paid. Yeah. Is it really that low? And if this is even after he already signed one extension just recently, yep. and it's still yep. very cheap, if I remember correctly. I don't remember the exact number, but I know yeah, it's not on, much. Let's see. I mean, he was a third-round pick coming out of Kansas State, so it wasn't like he was making that much in his first four years to begin right. with. Right. But, uh, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> He's literally getting paid $13 million a year. He is on a three-year $37.8 million contract. Unbelievable. That's for ridiculous. A top, for a back end of the top ten receiver in the NFL. That's ridiculous. That's what I'm talking about, man. They just – they have so many value contracts on that team. Russ looks like a value now when you consider what's happened to the quarterback market. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just – they built a great team over there. Pete Carroll knows how to coach a team. I'm not worried about them at all. And to be fair, 
take a fluke loss where they just choked. I mean, they, they pulled a Super Bowl against the Patriots style choke. They're mm-hmm. undefeated right now. Yeah. A- and on top of that, like, you forget their offensive line has been consistently bad throughout Russell Wilson's tenure in Seattle. And they added a couple people. They drafted Damian Lewis at right guard, who looks really good from LSU. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Dwayne Brown's like been steady there now for a few years since he got traded from Houston. I mean, that team is, I, I want to know how much they'll offer Chris Carson after the season being one of the last like five picks in that draft a few years ago to, you know, he's going to make a lot of money even with the fumbling issues, but yeah, definitely a lot of fumbling issues, definitely a lot of fumbling issues, but I think he gets a slightly toned down uh, Derek Henry style contract, you know, like a very straightforward, Maybe instead of the – I think Henry ended up getting four years 40 or four years 50. Um, maybe you tone that down to like four years 36, something like that. I could very well see it for Chris Carson. And that will end up being a value too. Yeah, yeah why not? They, that's all they seem to do. Like, I mean, they already had Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright at linebacker. What do they do? Yeah, they reach for another linebacker, Jordan Brooks, who's pretty good. Pretty <laughs> like, damn good. Yeah, yeah so everyone had him as like so. a – Everyone had it was like a third round pick, and I was like, "What? What are they doing?" It's like, "Oh, okay, now he's good." <laughs> they just know better. They know. I, we said this in the redraft pods. The Seahawks just know with their drafts, and, and they yeah. hit it out of the park every time. Well, maybe not that pick from last year, but oh well. Uh, L.J. Collier, poor guy. Um, oh, shake my head. <laughs> um. All right, so that's a good look at the NFC uh, teams that have really just been hitting it out of the park. I, AFC, I mean, first place to go to, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been unreal this year. Obviously, only undefeated team left in the NFL, 7-0 this year. Um, We knew that defensively they were going to be really good, top tier, and they showed it last year once they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick in the secondary. And they were just missing that even average quarterback play without Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, obviously, we knew Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges aren't it. But we've seen good, consistent quarterback play from Ben Roethlisberger with all of those young receivers, and it's really paying off dividends now. In a tough right. And going, going back to that, like as you said, they're, what, 8-8 eight eight last year? Yeah. And that's with just awful, 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 awful quarterback play. Mm-hmm. So people are saying that maybe the Steelers can bounce back. Maybe they can't. All they needed, like you said, was an average quarterback. And at this point, I get, think Ben Roethlisberger is oh, slightly above average. He's obviously a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, that's obviously near the tail end of his uh, his abilities here. But if you throw even average onto that team, that's such a good team. And that defense is just going to lead the charge anyway. I'm really obviously disappointed as a Michigan fan to see my boy Bush go down. But him and Watt would have been absolutely unbelievable for this team going forward into the playoffs, wrecking havoc on every quarterback that they – come through they're just gonna get to him yeah and I mean you got to talk about the two pleasant surprises on the offensive side of the ball of course first of all you have the Chase Claypool explosion these Mm -hmm. past few weeks becoming an extremely relevant um I would say third receiver but I feel like he surpassed Juju at this point so second receiver I don't know um personal yet underrated and uh underappreciated opinion I consider Deontay Johnson that team's number one feel like he's one of the most slept on receivers in the NFL. Um, but on top of that, you got to just throw in that 
James Conner has well, – look, he's been nothing out of this world, nothing flashy, but he's staying healthy. He's getting out there putting out workmanlike efforts, and that's all they could really ask for. They, they had two big personality stars in the past, and both of them blew up in Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, obviously. So the transition over to Mr. Average and James Conner has kind of been a really good thing for the Steelers, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm curious, Corey, how do you feel about this? Because uh, I know Stange is a big fan of Deontay Johnson. I am not. I don't I, like him. I'm, how do you feel? I'm in your camp on this. I, I'm not a fan of him. I've watched him. I, like, I get why they're phasing Juju out. Like, Obviously, teams are focused on him, and Juju's in a contract year, so obviously they're trying to – I think they're trying to game it to get him to accept a lower contract number. But I'm not a fan. Of, I haven't seen anything out of Deontay that makes me like – over the mood, I, like I'm, he's better than James Washington, like that's yes. not in question. Oh, right, yeah. right, mm-hmm. right. But no, I, I mean Claypool is just so dynamic. I mean, again, personal experience seeing him just absolutely obliterate Philly. They they would put a linebacker on him. He was way faster than whatever we had. Not a surprise there. We put Darius Slay on him. He embarrassed him multiple times. We would put safeties on him. Embarrassed him. I, the dude's so dynamic. I, honestly, he's their future number one, possibly at the end of this year, beginning of next year. Has to be. Claypool is just so dynamic on a team that already has a ton of weapons. And like you said, Stange, Connor is nothing extraordinary at all. Like, that's an average ru- rushing team. I, I want to say they're 16th in the league in rushing yards per game. And he's not exactly a top-tier guy. But when he's healthy, just gives them a little something that those other guys below him and the Benny Snells, the Anthony McFarlands, the Jalen Samuels can't offer altogether. Yeah. And look, right. So I get both of your opinions on Deontay Johnson. The only argument I'll make is this, right? So I'll actually use a parallel to a team that we've already talked about on this podcast. We were just talking about the Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf combination. Obviously Chase Claypool is your DK Metcalf. Super explosive, freakishly athletic, makes these crazy plays. But Deontay Johnson, man, what he has that Juju was missing is the ability to just be the steady number one, even with attention. You know, he doesn't have to get tucked into the slot. He doesn't need an Antonio Brown to make him blow up. He's having a great year outside of injuries. You can't deny it. His per-game basis numbers when you take out all of the games that he's come out of early due to injury, have been incredible. His counting stats have been amazing. And he's just very consistent, which is why I do the parallel of a Tyler Lockett in that case. All right, that's fair. I can see that. But, I mean, obviously a key to their success has just been consistent quarterback play, like we've all said already. And that defense is just otherworldly. The best defense in the NFL, possibly last five. And can we move on to, I think, the more important topic of this division, and that's Baltimore <laughs> Ravens here. Oof. Because yeah. they're 5-2, and two, which is good. You know, yeah. you can't really complain about that. No. But I think we can all agree they're a disappointment. Well, I think the biggest disappointment is offensively. They oh, have not, of course. They are not even close to what they were last year. I want to say they're league average in efficiency, and you can go down the board uh, – the rushing attack just hasn't looked the same because Ingram's been hurt and they're kind of like time-sharing Dobbins and Edwards. And Wait, you're, you're mentioning all these guys. You're forgetting to mention their actual running back. 
Lamar Jackson. Uh, there it is. Yeah, he's I, just not a quarterback. He can't throw the ball. Yeah, I mean, they the throwing stats this year have not been great. My my uh, cousin, who's not my cousin, uh, Mark Andrews, just not the same guy as last year when he was arguably like the number one must start tight end in fantasy outside of Travis Kelsey. And I mean, they've they've given him Hollywood Brown. They drafted Duvernay in the third round this year. Uh, they drafted Miles Boykin last year in the third round. So they've drafted weapons that have upside for sure. And they just, well, like you said, they just haven't given like that ability for these weapons to really explode because the Lamar just hasn't been, I don't know if it's a scheme thing. I don't know if it's the, o, the O-line's not the same. Marshall Yonda being uh, retired takes out a hole on the team. hundred well, percent. Let me, let me ask you this now. Would you agree that the Steelers' biggest weakness on defense is cornerback play? Yes. I say yes only because they don't have a premier corner. I think team-wise they are good because their scheme fits it. But, like, Mike Hilton in the slot is a great blitzing corner. Fantastic. But Here's why. If the Steelers and the Ravens meet up later on in the year when maybe – they're they're both going to make the playoffs. So, obviously, let's – no, I'm not saying – we're saying there's a disappointment on the offense. There's no way the Ravens are not going to make the playoffs here. The Steelers match up so well against this Ravens team. They can just throw one-on-one coverage to the outside. You know Lamar Jackson is not going to throw the ball to the outside. He is, I think, the worst quarterback in the league throwing between the numbers and the sidelines. He's absolutely horrendous there. What the Ravens like to do is just attack the middle of the field. and That's why they have Marquise Brown in the middle – and they love the tight ends there. Obviously, Andrews, I think, is still a great tight end. They just can't throw him the ball because all defenses have to do is pack the middle of the field. And when you're against the Steelers, if you're Lamar Jackson, a running back, and want to run to the outside, you got you got Watt there. You got um, um, I got Dupree, Bud Cameron, Dupree, and, and you got you got all of them right there to, to like you know maybe bridge or maybe just contain Lamar Jackson, which it's hard. But if you can do it even a little bit, you give enough time for everyone else to just collapse on them. So one-on-one coverage on the outside, stack the middle of the field, and I don't think the Ravens can do anything against that defense. No. I definitely agree. And um, one point I always like to make, right, is obviously you've seen the, the complete depression of the actual Baltimore running game outside of Lamar Jackson. Um, Lamar last year, everyone thought that he could throw because his counting stats were – so blown up by how weak their schedule was in the first half of that season and how bad the rest of the division looked, arguably. Um, I, I think they're really setting themselves up here for another postseason disappointment. And I don't think Lamar has shown us anything yet to prove that he's going to be able to get over that postseason choking syndrome that he seems to have. And then I'll just throw in on top of all that, that it will be interesting to see. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the storyline of, squeaky wheel gets the oil Marquise Brown coming out talking about when is this team going to use me we'll see what Lamar does to try and remedy that and I really think that the defense has been very good I think the draft picks of Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison at linebacker have been very good for that team that's exactly who they needed were just rangy linebackers I mean Queen just rushing you up the gut like almost every play just attacks the hole, no matter what. If he's wrong, he's wrong, but he'll get you if he gets it right. Um, and that secondary is just unreal. Like, defensively and at special teams, they are 
among the best, maybe the best combination in those two areas in the league, without a question. But offensively, now Marshall Yonder retired. Ronnie Stanley, who they literally just paid $99 million to for the next five years, is out for the year. Literally just like that. Like oh, they, they paid him two days later, out for the year. So losing that many guys and all pros on the offensive line, not to mention, I just think that's too tough to overcome. I think they are a definite divisional weekend uh, contender for the playoffs. They are a playoff team, no doubt. But I just – without all those guys in the offensive line, that's an area they have to address in the offseason. They, they're not going to go to where we thought they maybe could in the preseason. For sure. Agreed. And then, I mean, you still got the Browns there at five and three. I – while that's a lot better than I think we all thought they were going to be at this time, um, I still don't think they have it. With Odell gone, I think they get better. Addition by subtraction. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a good division. And, you know, the Bengals can sneak out a win or two against these against some of these teams. Because, you know, they're a sneaky team. They're, they're obviously not going to make – I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They're 2-5-1. and, they're two, five and one. But they're a team that I can I can see upsetting the Steelers in the trap game kind of later on in the year, or even upsetting the Ravens in the trap game later on in the year. Good division. Joey covers. He, Joe Joey Burrow covers. has has not missed the cover. He has covered the spread in every game this year. So if you're looking at you know who should I put money on every week for anybody who's into that kind of thing, Joe Burrow will always cover the spread. They might not win the game like they've proven this year because that roster is trash, but he will cover the spread. A wise man once said, good teams win and great teams cover. There we go. Bengals best team in the league just for that, which by that (laughs) logic makes the Cowboys the worst team in the league because they have not covered yet this season. (laughs) I didn't know we were transitioning into disappointments already. Wow. Well, Avery already went to the Ravens, so I, I got to now, right? I feel like we had yeah, to just really. continue with that. There's just so many storylines with that division. I just I, I feel like we should have kept that together. And going from the Steelers to the Ravens to the Browns, it's like good, eh, eh, and then maybe some little positive there, you know? Like, yeah, maybe next year the year after, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, if we're going disappointments, by far the biggest one, and it's not even close, is the Dallas Cowboys. I, I mean – I don't think a ton of people thought that it would end up in a fiery train wreck like this, but oh boy. That offensive <laughs> line is just so bad. Yeah. That's Look, been the key I, to a lot of these teams, like just blowing up as offensive lines just fall apart. Yeah. The other argument that I'd make, though, is I knew that they were going to be a train wreck the second I heard about McCarthy's pro football focus. <laughs> the one that didn't actually exist, obviously, based on how that man calls plays. Because he has not done anything to shift the game plan away from their weaknesses. You know, they first they lose Dak Prescott, and they're just like, okay, well, we can work around this. We have one of the best offensive lines in the game and a top five running back in the game. And then all of a sudden, the offensive line starts to go down. And now it's just it's Andy Dalton looking like a uh, lost child out on the playground whose parents left them there as he's trying to figure out where the heck to go with the ball. And they just – it's so bad, man. So we're going to get into the coach of the year a little bit later, but we're going to talk about the positives. But keeping on Mike McCarthy, if you're looking at the odds to win coach of the year, second to last place currently is Bill Belichick at plus 6,600. 
Compare that to Mike McCarthy, who is plus 25,000 to win coach of the year. When you go from plus 25,000, the graph is absolutely hilarious because everyone's in a straight line, and then Mike McCarthy just shoots up, and Belichick just kind of stays flat. (laughs) I I mean, it's just incredible because they were – if you looked at that team preseason, we didn't think they were going to be that great on defense anyway, losing Byron Jones and just a whole bunch of scheme fits and whatever else, but – offensively, like, they had the talent to put up a lot of points, and when Dak was healthy, they were. They just couldn't keep up with shootouts, so they couldn't stop anybody. And that was their biggest downfall early in the year. And yeah, then, that, that defense was a real disappointment to start. Oh, terrible. I, I mean, there's a bunch of teams that are, fall into the same umbrella. Like, we could look at the Vikings early in the year, too, with all those young pieces they have, at corner especially, as teams that maybe have uh, undershot what we thought. But – yeah, it's tough not to look at Dallas and just shake your head and be like, you know, if you had a lot of them in your fantasy team, just like me, trade it for Ezekiel Elliott and he's put up like three points the last month of the yeah. of the season. Like, great. Okay. Yeah, look, man, my, my fantasy um, running backs going in were Elliott, Sanders, Le'Veon oh. Bell, and Leonard Fournette. So oh. and I, I, I'm 6-2. and two. I'm 6-2. and two. <laughs> Still oh, come don't on. understand how that team's working the way that it is. But come on. I'm, on the topic, or, and hold on, I don't, I don't want to fall into or go down this road without talking about what looked like the phenomenal running back core of Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, Mark Ingram, and uh, I don't even remember who my fourth was, but moral and Damian Harris. Moral of the story: all huge upside guys, and look where we are currently standing at a fat one and seven. But back to the topic of the Cowboys specifically, man. I think that the, the problem at the end of the day, right, is yes, obviously McCarthy is the worst coach in the NFL. But then you throw it on top of that, that the way the Cowboys draft, they always get lauded for it and talking about how great these draft picks are until they get hurt. I mean, the Cowboys foundations are linebackers who are incredible until they get hurt and the best offensive line in football until, until they, they get hurt. hurt. Because <laughs> it seems inevitable that both sides – it always happens. And, and, like, really, have they nailed a draft pick? That, I mean, like, really nailed a draft pick in the last, like, two years. I, don't, I, I, look, I look at CeeDee Lamb and I say it looks okay. like it could be okay. that way. Okay. Him, yeah, it's obviously okay. way too early to tell. It's obviously yeah. the jury's out. Okay, take him out, though, because he's in a league of his own. Like, he was not supposed to be picked by the Cowboys. That was just an opportunistic value mm-hmm. pick. That was a value pick. Yeah, right. and you, I mean, yeah, you go back to – I mean, I loved Van Der Esch, but he's Sean Lee 2.0. He just gets hurt, like Stan just saying. He just gets hurt. And then you throw it on top of that. What's funny is I think what would have been a nailed draft pick for them is currently a man sitting on the Eagles. He shares a name with them. It's Dallas Goddard. You put him on the Cowboys and Dak Prescott's healthy, call him a top five tight end in the NFL right now. But the Eagles just were feeling a little petty on that draft day. They sniped him. And now he's going to take over for Zach Ertz and absolutely kill it for the Eagles. He's 100%. going back. He's, he is a better tight end than Zach Ertz. I don't think he's a better 100%. receiver than Zach Ertz. 100% agree. 100% he's a agree. better tight end. He, he reminds yes. me of like, if you, I'm, I'm compa- comparing apples to oranges here, but like, not really. I'm comparing him to Kittle. As yep. if I would compare, um, uh, what's his name, Ertz to the Kelsey type, where he's a yep. receiver, where Kittle is just the all-around tight end, and that's what I think Goddard can be. Yeah, 
it's almost like when the Niners had uh, Vernon Davis and Delaney Walker. Like, they both had their own kind of lane there, and then they both ended up being very good starters in the league for a while. I mean, Delaney oh, Walker okay. was still starting games last year. He's out of the league Until now. He got hurt, yeah. Well, he got yeah. hurt last year, right? It was the yeah. leg injury. Yeah, it was like week four or something. And then Johnu. Yeah, and then Johnu ended up being a god, and they let him go. So, never to be heard from again. But if we're going down the rabbit hole of disappointments, I, I would say – the teams that have fired their coaches already are good places to start, but we don't need to waste time on uh, the Falcons because then we wouldn't be able to finish, right? Oh. Look, I, all I'll <laughs> say on the Falcons is this. I don't even know how you could call them a disappointment ever, anymore just because I feel like this has become a year-in and year-out kind of story. Yeah, You know, you can only call a team a disappointment for three years before it's just like, wow, again? Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's how I feel about the Giants. They're not a disappointment. Oh, sure. They're just absolutely terrible. That's what you expect. Yeah, it's culture. Yeah, they've just gotten so – the players in that locker room have gotten so used to that way of just like, uh, whatever. We're going to dominate they, for three quarters and then just call it a day. Yeah, just like the game against uh, the Eagles. Honestly, yeah. like, you guys look and, great and in the third to, quarter. And Tampa Bay. Yeah, and, and Tampa. And literally end-to-end Tampa Bay. <laughs> and then we could talk about the Dallas game where even they let Andy Dalton beat us. Andy Dalton, maybe his only win for the season. Once Dak Prescott us. came out, I knew we were going to lose. I Same. knew it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, you could also go to uh, everyone's classic favorite of disappointment, the Jets, but I mean – that's not a disappointment. It's not, not a disappointment. We, I mean, well, they're way worse. They're, like, historically bad on the list. Like, this is the worst Jets team ever by every metric, ever. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you could call them a disappointment relative to other Jets years, but not compared to the rest of the league, for sure. Um, if we want to talk about Jets' disappointment, we could fall down the rabbit hole of how Trevor Lawrence is going to do his best Eli Manning impression <laughs> on his way out of the New York Jets organization. See, the biggest Jets disappointment is going to be when they beat New England next week and the Giants fall first in line for the man of T-Law. Yeah, so, okay, so actually that's a good topic right now while I have both of you on. So right now the Jets are the overwhelming favorite to get the number one pick. I believe every metric I've seen is like a 57% chance they'll have the number one pick. And the Giants are either second or third with like still a good shot, double-digit percentage odds. So – Let's say the Giants end up at two, and the Jets take Trevor Lawrence. No, to what? No, to whatever you're going to say. Uh, I, I was going to say Penny Sewell. Okay, okay, okay. That's I, where I, I was leaning as well. I, I, I would, I would much rather have that. The one thing, I, I don't care if we trade down. I don't care if we trade down twice. I'm, I'm cool if we trade down twice because we can just get a bunch of draft picks. You know, you trade down from two to five, you trade down from five to ten, and you just absolutely stockpile draft picks. If we take Justin <laughs> Fields, I am going to be swan diving outside of my apartment. I can't stand that, man. I, yes, I am a biased Michigan fan. But you look at all of these guys who come out of Ohio State, Braxton Miller, Cardell Jones, Tyrell Pryor, and I, I don't feel like going on because I can literally take this entire – I can take this entire podcast naming all these quarterbacks. Who JT come out of Barrett. Ohio. JT Barrett, and you look at what the Washington football team is doing right now. They don't even know what Haskins is. They don't even care anymore. And they're just going to say, you're, you're done. Goodbye. And we're going to play a guy with half a leg and Allen. So why Fields? He's not going to be good, and I'll leave it at that. Look, right, my dream scenario is the Giants trade back to six, and we take Micah Parsons. 
because I think that it fills a huge need for us, and I think that our defense gets to, like, top five, top eight levels of scary if we add Parsons into what has been a really pleasant surprise in the New York Giants defense this year. But assuming that we don't take that opportunity and we stay at two, we'll be Penny Sewell all day. We'll go Sewell Thomas as bookend, open up some more cap space by getting rid of Solder, and all of a sudden you might have something going on in that Giants organization. Yeah, and you can call me biased for not liking Justin Fields, but I love Micah Parsons. And I obviously I hate Penn State, so I'm not giving the bias everywhere. Like <laughs> I really like Micah Parsons. I really just don't like Justin Fields. It's fair. All right. I mean, I don't think there's anybody else that's been like a huge, huge disappointment. Obviously, what what's happened with Houston is a a travesty on multiple fronts. But that's Bill O'Brien. Like th- that's the multiple lesson thing of don't give a coach executive powers. We've seen it multiple times in multiple places in multiple sports. It never works. Stan Van Gundy to the Pistons is the ultimate one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know basketball, but I I heard a lot of things. Well, his parting move right before he got fired was trading for that terrible Blake Griffin contract. <laughs> Just as like a right. big F you to the Pistons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Give a big old middle finger that bye-bye. I'll take my, the rest of my guaranteed money. See ya. <laughs> and but now, look, man, yeah, I'll, you bring that up, right? And Avery, you mentioned the New England Patriots coaching tree before. You started listing names of disappointments. I don't know how Bill O'Brien was at number one on the list. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a bad one that I missed. He keeps making the playoffs somehow. I think that's the only reason <laughs> Look, like, he skates by a little He kept making bit. the playoffs because they were in a historically weak division. I mean, besides the, the random Tennessee blow-up last year. Um, oh, it's the one Jags year. The, the one Jags year. The problem is, though, I don't – when I think of Bill O'Brien, it's all the negative stuff. I automatically gravitate to what he did at Penn State, which was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. And I don't really think of the whole NFL thing when I should because of how historically bad he has been. But he was just so good at Penn State and made my life miserable as a Michigan fan that that's <laughs> why I really think of him as a Penn State coach. And that's probably why it slipped my mind when thinking about the uh, the Patriots coaching tree. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Okay. Well – I think we went through a lot of the teams that you guys are really interested in and that uh, we've seen a lot of storylines about throughout this first half of the season. So let's just go through some awards, shall we? So let's start the big one, the MVP. Obviously, this is a quarterback award. No secret there. It's as much as we could say, you know, it could go to Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook or Hopkins or Devontae Adams or Aaron Donald. It's not. So it's – it's a uh, – we could basically call this a three-horse race, and really it's a two-horse race if you really want to handicap it. It's a two-horse race. You don't yeah. even need to pretend that it's three. And I'll, I'll let you guys go first when you talk about it because I know you guys are in the same kitchen, let's say. One's a I'm more out. one kitchen than the other. So like, I'm, I'm out of that kitchen. I am relaxing right here. So, yeah, look, okay, I'm that, deep in the kitchen. I think Corey's a lot closer to the door between our kitchens. But, yes. yes, as you can all tell by the references here, I'm all about letting Russ cook, man. This guy has been historically underrated for years. He's literally had bad, one bad moment in the history of his career. Now they got him weapons. We've talked about how incredible the Seattle Seahawks are, Seahawks are when it comes to drafting for that team. Um, and just this guy is blowing up. And he's still making the running – because, like, 
for years now, everyone's been talking about, oh, the Seahawks, they're uh, run the ball, smash mouth kind of offense. But he's even making look, Chris Carson look incredible. You know, he's been amazing for that team. They're finally letting him just go off and take advantage of all the weapons that they've stacked up over there. And he single-handedly has been able to overcome one of the more underperforming defenses in the NFL. So let me jump in here and I'll go with Rogers because I know Corey's kind of in the middle, but I know he's going to end up taking that step into the kitchen at the end. I just, I just know it. But I am relaxing over here with Mr. Aaron Rodgers. I was on Aaron Rodgers as MVP from the start when I first saw the odds boost, or not the odds boost, the odds for MVP to start the season. Paced a little $25 bet on Aaron Rodgers at plus $3,300. That's $25 to pay out $7.25 for those calculating at home. Currently, Russell Wilson is even money at plus $100 as the favorite. Number two is Aaron Rodgers at plus 400. He <laughs> has been unbelievable. And then you go into some later odds. It could be, you know, you never know what Mahomes is doing. He's actually plus 450. He can come out of nowhere. And Brady's the one that's been creeping up. I think the whole Josh Allen train has died off um, as sure. the MVP kind of dark horse. So I think it's a two-horse race. You could make it a four-horse race towards the end if Brady and um, Mahomes start to light up some scoreboards, which they can very well do, especially with Antonio Brown coming. But Aaron Rodgers, man, you take him off that team and they're a two-win team. If you take Russ off the Seahawks, I still think they're a six to seven win team, maybe an eight win team. And then that's replacing them with a, a non-average quarterback. Let's say that. I don't want to like say, let me throw like Ben Roethlisberger on the team. That's just like, if you threw Duck Hodges on that team, Packers don't win a game. If you threw Duck Hodges on Seattle, I still think they can win six games. When he has one wide receiver, one wide receiver, Robert Tanyan comes out of nowhere. What are you laughing about here? Let's keep going. <laughs> I'm laughing at Stanja's reaction just to keep it. Yeah, that's what I'm, with you. I, that's what I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> that's an, I, I can't wait to clip that. That is hilarious. <laughs> Dude, did like, I just hear like, what? Stanja's leads the Seahawks to six, six wins, six wins. In their first eight weeks? Six wins. No, no, on the season, on the season. On, oh, the, on the season. Oh, wow, that is- <laughs> no, no, no. I, I ain't saying they six and two. I'm saying six and ten. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was so scared. I was so scared. You just about that panic you. attack over that. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Anyway, yes, I think when I think of most valuable player, I think of a team that without them, they would fall flat on their face. And some definition, I think that's Aaron Rodgers. The Packers front office has absolutely wasted the most talented quarterback, like I said before, quarterback that I have ever seen on a talent basis. When you have Aaron Rodgers and you just don't get him anyone, man, anyone, and he just still puts up these numbers, he's like, you don't want to give me anything. I don't give a shit. I'm going to do whatever I need to do and do it again and do it again and do it again. And you look at their remaining schedule. I don't think they lose a game the rest of the way. They have the Jaguars. They have the Colts, which is a toughie. They have the Bears, and I don't think the Bears are real at all. Eagles, eh. Lions, eh. Panthers, eh. Titans, most overrated team in the league, in my opinion. I think they win this one. This is going to be a close game, but I think this is going to be a big win for Aaron Rodgers. And I think this is the game that gets Aaron Rodgers the MVP. And then they end against the Bears. And I think they win out. But see, so right, counter argument for you on two situations. I'll make a few points here. Number one, 
is the fact that while I do understand where you're coming from, when you consider the true tradition, true definition of the MVP award to be the biggest difference maker for their personal team, I think that historically it's not been the case. And I'll make it the argument with last year's MVP race. Lamar Jackson beat out Patrick Mahomes, but I think you take Lamar Jackson off that team, they're still 10 and 6 maybe even 11 and five with how freakishly good that defense is. But Pat Mahomes, you take him off the chiefs. You no, know, I, I agree. I agree with you there. And it hasn't been the case. That's just what I look at what an MVP should be. Agreed. Yeah. Now the other point that I will make, right. Is we're talking apples to apples here, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, but you got to talk about the divisions that they're playing in, man. The NFC West is the best division in football. There's not even a comparison. The AFC North would be the closest, but it's by a pretty wide margin. I mean, there are still conversations going on right now about does the West send four teams to the playoffs? Meanwhile, the NFC North, you have the underperforming Minnesota Vikings, the Detroit Lions doing what they do every year, and the offenseless Chicago Bears that are only getting by on another top three defense in the NFL. Right, and then, but you also look at the other side of the story where you have the Seahawks who are playing the AFC East, which is an absolute joke, whereas the Packers are playing the NFC South, which is way, 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 way better. So, like, yes, you take some, you, you, it's a give-and-take situation. There's obviously going to be points to argue for both sides of the story here. Obviously, right now, Russell Wilson is the betting favorite. I just think what, what Rodgers will do with his remaining game, and I'm, I'm highlighting that Tennessee versus – Green Bay game, I think that's the game that's going to really throw it over the top, and I think that's where Rodgers wins the MVP. Yeah, see, uh, the last point I'll make is that I think the reason that Russ holds on to the favorite and ends up taking home the award is the fact that I think he wins that NFC West comfortably by two games maybe or three even. And just the fact that you're in the best division in football and you're taking it with that much space between you and the second-place team is going to really make a difference in those awards. So curious to see Corey. What do you got here? Kind of uh, right, right, right in the middle. <laughs> I've been uh, marinating here, but I love the points both of you brought up. But, but I think what we've established with the MVP award in the last ten years, especially in honestly this and the NBA, it has almost become a storyline award, right? And yeah. the storyline that we heard. For both of them, both of them have very compelling storylines. Aaron Rodgers is the, okay, you want to draft Jordan Love, my replacement? Okay, I'll just ball out until you ask me to leave. The Russell Wilson storyline is, oh, I've never gotten an MVP vote because, you know, the offense has kind of restricted me from doing my thing. Okay, like, now I'm going to do my thing. Now you'll see really what I am. Now you'll see me cook. (laughs) Exactly. So I think I'm going to have to go with, Mr. Unlimited for this one, just strictly because, and Stanch had mentioned it, that division is ridiculous. The 49ers are projected to be the worst team in that division at 8-8. Eight and eight. Everybody else is projected to be over 500. The other three teams, the Rams, the Cardinals, and Seahawks, are all projected to make the playoffs pretty comfortably. And Russell Wilson leads the league in completion percentage. He's four points over Rodgers. Touchdowns, he's two touchdowns over Rodgers. Quarterback rating, three points over Rodgers. And uh, PFF grade, he's one and a half over Rodgers. I, I mean, the guy, 
there's certain leadership skills that Russ has that wills that Seahawks team that honestly I, I'm not knocking Aaron Rodgers for, but you know, he's, he's a little bit of a, a strange cat, you know, he's not he's a little short tempered for sure. Right. Yeah. He's not built in that same like leadership mold that a Russ Wilson is where that guy just knows what to do at every waking moment. And honestly, it's a storyline award. I, I just think this is Russ's unless, you know, the team falls apart or someone gets hurt. And I think the better weapons around him will help carry him to that award. But it's not nothing selling him short. I think Russ is doing all the work on his own to make sure that he gets that award himself. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the way I describe it to really summarize the conversation is it's Russ's award to lose. Um, 100%. Agree he could there. very easily blow it. It yep. could absolutely yep. happen. We, I yep. mean, we saw it at the end of that Arizona game a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Just moments like that show that it's still very possible. And Rodgers is uh, – I mean, the talent is just so freakish that he's the obvious number two. And I'd put it at as close to 50-50 odds as possible, but definitely give me Russ at the end. And that's why I'm thinking there is a decent chance that Russ can blow it. Because they have, in order of the schedule that they have left, is the Bills. That could be tough. The Rams. Aaron Donald can do anything he wants. The Cardinals. Anything can happen. And then they play a couple high school teams. They got the Eagles, the Giants, the Jets, and the Redskins. So I'm sorry, what was that last team? <laughs> oh, sorry, racist. Um, <laughs> the Washington football team. And then they get, again, the Rams and the Niners. So, you know, take away those four games, right? Those four high school games. Cupcakes, yeah. The Bills, the Rams twice, the Cardinals, and the 49ers. Anything can happen in those games where I think the Packers, the only one where something can truly happen is that game against the Titans. And that Titans defense is just so bad. I think Rodgers can absolutely tear it apart. Maybe the Bears step up in one game, but I think Aaron Rodgers can, and I agree, it's Russell Wilson's award to lose. Right now, season ends right now. He's the MVP, and there's no question about it. But I think Rodgers can make that step. Now, I will say, though, one thing that benefits Aaron Rodgers, if you look at their interception numbers, the first half of the year, the first, like, four or five games, Russ did not throw a pick. But recently, he started throwing quite a few more as they've taken more deep shots down the field and they've gotten a little more ballsy with their play calling as DK is really, Metcalf has really started to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, say, I'm the guy. But you could also look at their margin of victory. Seahawks won by 13 at the Falcons, beat New England by five, beat Dallas by seven, Dolphins by eight, Vikings by one, and the Niners by 10. The Packers, meanwhile, have blown out people. Beat the Vikings by nine, Lions by 21, Saints by seven, Falcons by 14, uh, Texans by 15, and Niners by 17. So they take care of these teams and, you know, they don't mess around. The, The Seahawks like to make it close to make it interesting for them. That's kind of how they do it. They give all their fans per, uh, heart attacks every week. But the Packers, like, take care of business when they can. O- obviously, outside the one goose egg in uh, Tampa. But, and, you know, you know the, the hugely well, disappointing performance in Minnesota. That, see, that, you, I, I can't put that on Rodgers, though. I'm not no, putting it on Rodgers. It's their, that terrible front seven. It's Dalvin, a loss that's going to factor into the MVP awards. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Dalvin but, Cook ran a half marathon in that fucking game. Right. So that's why I'm looking at, like – the Packers take care of business when they need to. And if you look at the losses, it hasn't really been things that were necessarily 
against Rodgers, maybe outside of the Tampa game a yeah, little the Tam- bit. Yeah, the Tampa game was tough for Rodgers, 100%. Right, because they put up the first 10 points, and then they got blown out the rest of the game. But mm-hmm. That's the other thing I will say, though, is you have not yet seen Russ completely disappear for a game the way that Aaron Rodgers did against Tampa Bay. That is true. So it's that logic where, yes, that's why Russ is the favorite. But I will say, like, keeping that margin of victory number, like, in the back of your mind is pretty interesting just to see, like, you know, Seattle, I guess, likes to do this game with themselves to kind of keep themselves motivated. And, I I mean, I see plenty of teams who do the same thing. But the Packers, what they want to. what their plus minuses look like for the season overall. I got to look that up just because of the fact that Green Bay has two losses. (laughs) Oh, I can – here, well, I, have it, I, have it, I have it right here. So the Packers have 253 points for and 204 against. 49. 49. And the Seahawks are 240 to 199. So plus 49 41. 41. So it's a much closer. Oh, closer. It's a much closer. Even with the two losses. When you look at it as a whole. Yeah, even with one more loss by the Packers. And obviously yeah. they've played one more game since they already played on Thursday. But, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So, like, it just – you know, it shows that maybe the Packers like like to show up for certain weeks, and then they took the goose egg against Tampa. But who knows? So, two of us agree that it's Russell Wilson's. Well, we all agree it's Russell Wilson's to lose, but Avery believes Rogers. Should. I think he can. I think he. I think he can make that stretch to win it for him, especially in that Titans game. Okay. So we can move on to uh, Coach of the Year here. A uh, bunch of good choices this year, and a bunch of names that. Uh, you really never see on this list either. Uh, favorite right now is Mike Tomlin, unsurprisingly, on the Steelers. Um, then you got Brian Flores on the Dolphins that we talked about earlier. And then you have Andy Reid, no surprise, and uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Everybody was fired from a college job a year and a half ago. Oops. Uh, <laughs> and then Bruce Arians is fifth on the list. I-, I feel like this one could honestly go in a ton of directions. So I'm honestly just interested to see what you guys have. So I think this is kind of similar to the MVP vote where I think it is Mike Tomlin's to lose, obviously. If he goes undefeated, he's going to win the coach of the year, and there's no question about it. However, in my opinion, I think this award deserves to go to Mr. Brian Flores. As we kind of alluded to before, the Steelers were never a bad team. They went 8-8 with Duck Hodges as their quarterback. If you added any kind of capable quarterback play, even if it was average quarterback play, they were going to be a good team. And they're adding a Hall of Fame quarterback. Obviously, he's not Hall of Fame caliber right now. He's above average quarterback. And then you have James Conner, who's healthy. So you add both of those together. It's not surprising that the Steelers are undefeated. What's surprising is that Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick were able to win these games early on against Decent teams, um, they're playing pretty well. And all of a sudden, and I think it was the right move. I, I, I'm a fan of letting the kids play. So making the move to Tua, I really want to see what he has. And I think if Tua can play, he didn't play well, but then again, the defense on Miami completely took over the game. So really didn't have a chance for Tua to see what was going to happen or a chance to see what Tua had last game. If Tua can play well, and I think – if the Dolphins can rattle off some wins and Mike Tomlin does something to lose coach of the year, which is lose a couple games, which could happen. I think Brian Flores could be a really good candidate here. Most definitely agreed. You literally just described my mindset. The only thing that I can really add outside of all of that is two guys that I consider to be um, very much slept on in this year's coach of the year award race. Number one being John Gruden, who is, not even in the top 10 for betting odds, if I remember correctly. 
um, and shockingly so, if you ask me. And the other one, obviously, being Pete Carroll, since we just talked about how good these Seahawks have been. I think that he's getting the Russell Wilson treatment there in that um, – or the Russell Wilson treatment of the past, I should say, in that this man's been so good but literally has not received an MVP vote. It's what Pete Carroll's being treated to this year as his team is literally the second-best team in football at this given moment. For Actually, for reference, John Gruden is tied with Bill Belichick for second to last in uh, odds to win the coach of the year at plus 6,600. I'll ask both of you, because maybe I'm just blinded here. Am I the only one who finds that absolutely insane? It is a little insane. I think the other thing that doesn't help him necessarily is that uh, today they, or actually yesterday, they announced a new Rona penalties against the Raiders, and it's been mostly because of John Gruden. There. <laughs> uh, so I just don't think that's going to play well in this environment. And even if he was deserving of the award, I just don't think that, you know, and people will joke that there's Corona bros in media, but it's just not going to sit well with a bunch of people uh, because of that. Now it's twice that they've been docked and they got docked a draft pick and he got fined a lot of money. I, again. Think, it, I think it was a six round draft pick and $150,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. That is correct. So yeah. I, I, I do think the Raiders have overperformed what we thought. I think they were a average to very, very slightly below average team we thought coming in, but they are, they are a team that right now is sitting in the seventh seed in the uh, AFC, which is good enough to uh, travel to that two seed, which at the moment is uh, Kansas City <laughs> for the playoffs. Which they've already shown that they have the ability to beat. So, there I mean, go. let's That's call true. me crazy here, but I think Gruden, I think that win is being heavily undervalued. And I think that mm-hmm. he, yes, I do agree with that storyline that. He's not going to get good looks. And obviously, I'm not saying that he should be ahead of any of the names we put before him. But a Bruce Arians, um, guys like that, I could absolutely see him being ahead of. And I do believe that literally being the tied for the second worst odds for the award is pretty crazy. Yeah. I will say, though, that the two coaches that have beaten – are on pace to beat their uh, preseason over-unders by the most are Mike Tomlin and Matt LaFleur on the Packers are beating, are beating them by three and a half wins at the moment. If uh, their FPI projections hold from ESPN. So if you look at that logic, it's obviously Tomlin. I think we all agree on that at the moment, as long as they are seven and O right now, as long as that loss column stays at a zero, it is Mike Tomlin's to lose a hundred percent. But I think Matt, Matt LaFleur gets hurt because the team went 13-3 and three last year, but he deserves some recognition. I, I'm not going to say he's the favorite, but, you know, like, if he's sixth or seventh, I, I'm fine with that. You know, yeah, and um, one name that I'll bring up just to watch not so much for this year as it is for next year is watch out for Kevin Stefanski, man. Mm. Uh, just the way he's running that team, he's obviously playing to their strengths which is going to take a lot of the pressure off what made Baker Mayfield look so bad this time last year. I just, I don't know something about the way those Browns are trending, especially if they manage to get rid of Odell in the off season and just bring in anything of value for that team. It's just, I don't know. I just think they're trending in the right direction. And I think he could very easily be in this talk this time next year. Stefanski does crack the top half of the league. He has plus 2000 to win coach of the year. All right. That's fair. 
he's he's at like right around his they're projected eight and a half over under and they're projected nine and seven so okay so he's in the ballpark of uh john harbaugh right now who's also plus 2000 okay. which <laughs> yeah I, I mean like i i really like what stefanski has done uh focused on the offensive line conklin was a great signing wyatt teller their new guard starter is a monster among men that dude is playing out of his mind yeah, and, and you could argue that Jedrick Wills has actually been underperforming, which yes. should say something about how yes. good that offensive line is going to be. Yeah, a- absolutely, 100%. They have a gr- great tight ends between uh, Harrison Bryant, Hooper, and if you still believe in David Njoku, sure. I mean, as your third tight end. He's not on the Browns. Right, 100%. But, like, as your third tight end, you could do a lot worse than David Njoku, for sure. Oh, yeah. But, but and – all those running backs. I mean, that is literally a clone of the Minnesota team if they had a good offensive line. I, I, it's, it's literally – he's doing exactly what he did in Minnesota. But I do like what they've done. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to pick Mike Tomlin for Coach of the Year. I just feel like that's an easy choice to make, even though yeah. – I mean, Tomlin, Flores, only if something goes catastrophically wrong on those mm-hmm. 100% agree. Flores for, I think, more the culture than the immediate yeah. wins-losses, even though they are better than we all thought they would be, for sure. All right, let's move on to uh, Rookies of the Year. Uh, we're going to start with Defensive Rookie of the Year, and we actually have quite a few great choices this year. Uh, second pick, Chase Young on the Washington football team, off to just a stupendous start at, of a team that already had a bunch of pass rushers, but he is by far the best one of them all. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., a little disappointed he fell to the second round instead of being drafted in the first like his dad was, but he has been with Carlton Davis, part of a revamped Buccaneers secondary that is just taking over and making that team a just a threat to win it all. And Patrick Queen, uh, middle linebacker on the Ravens, like I said earlier, they needed somebody, an enforcer up the middle. That was a glaring hole in that defense, and he has been everything as advertised. So, guys, I'm curious where you're going to lead it with this one. So, I'm going to keep this one short on my end. Chase Young's going to win defensive rookie of the year. And the odds say that too. He's minus 110, but as a betting man, which I am, <laughs> I would put my money on Winfield at plus 950 to win it. And yes. Right in the middle is Patrick Queen at plus 450. I think Winfield has been unbelievable. That last play in the Giants game kind of saved him, even though <coughs> it was pass interference. But that's neither here nor there. I think he's been absolutely unbelievable, especially for a second-round pick. Just, by God, they're unbelievable drafting on that Tampa Bay team right now. Um, it's a little disappointing to see him fall that far and like no one taking the shot on him. But if I was a betting man, which I am probably going to place a little bit of coin on Antoine Winfield to win, but it's going to be Chase Young. So I'm basically just burning my money at this point. Yeah. Very short conversation here. Chase Young's going to win. And the biggest reason that I'll give is that he's been as good as he has been at the most or the second most premier position in all of football the most premier position on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I mean, I feel like the rest of the league kind of doesn't stand a chance for defensive rookie. As sad as that is, because I do agree that Winfield's been absolutely incredible. And the one thing I always like to throw out there as a um, depressed Giants fan is watching the way our defense has played this year makes me really sad to think how good McKinney could possibly have been at this point in the defensive rookie of the year standings right now. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I loved him coming out. As did I. You know, the funniest part is Winfield actually has 
half a sack less than Chase Young. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, Winfield has literally done it all, I, but Chase Young has also done a ton of stuff that doesn't show up in the box score. So I agree. He, he is such a good player defending the run, and he literally made the Eagles look embarrassed week one. Him, by himself, him. I, I mean, yeah. he won that game for Washington week one by himself. So, And let's not forget that, I mean, while Chase Young has underperformed a bit in the counting stats category, mm-hmm. you got to remember that that is also a product of the fact that he is part of the best pass rushing group in the NFL. When you add in um, the trio of Sweat and Kerrigan and then all of the – Deron Payne right. in the middle – Ionitis, if he was healthy, Ryan Ionitis, if he was healthy, yeah. I mean, yeah. Jonathan Allen. I mean, they, they have so many first-round picks at, at that position or on the defensive line itself. And, like, Kerrigan barely plays anymore. Like, <laughs> he actually requested a trade. The team told him no. <laughs> Which was disrespectful beyond belief. Oh, I'm so surprised they didn't trade him. But, I mean, that is a – he is the cream of the crop at that position group on that team. And that's why they are on pace to be the second best team in the division right now. It's that group, just like the Eagles pass rushers have been, you know, the best part of the Eagles this year. That's been the best part of Washington too. Okay. Well, that one is pretty self-explanatory, but one that is really close is offensive rookie of the year. And it's really two names. We don't need to go further than this. It's the number one pick, Joe Burrow, and the Bengals, or it's the number six pick, Justin Herbert, and the Chargers. So pick your poison, gents. <laughs> Look, man, I'll start off here. Um, all the credit in the world, first off, to Herbert, because every draft pundit already had him chalked up as being a complete disappointment. Uh, I mean, I know, and I can say that I was one of those people. I thought that it was going to be a disappointment when you consider what the rest of that quarterback draft class looked like. But he's been playing really well, and I think he's going to end up winning the award purely because of the fact that he came to a team that was more prepared to give him basically the counting stats necessary to show out for the award nomination. Joe Burrow was on the Chargers, and it was Justin Herbert that was over on the Bengals. Give me Burrow. But the way the 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 chips fell, Herbert's my choice. Yeah, I agree. Um, based on the situation and situation alone, if I were to play some bets on it, which I don't think I will for this one because I don't really have a great feel for what's going to happen. It's too much of a coin flip, and I'm going to get into that in a second. I would – I lean Herbert here, and he, is, he would be my choice. However, I don't want to rule out Brian Flores and Tua to see what they can do at the end of the year. If they can do something, and mind you, remember, Joe Burrow and Herbert, two wins on the year. Really, on the stat column is one thing. They're really not showing up in the win column. So if Tua comes out and he can continue to win with the Miami Dolphins, that's where I think ground can be made up. And, you know, they already have the Dolphins already have double the wins that both teams have. They have four wins. The other teams have two each. So if they can continue and if Tua can rattle off five wins maybe and – um, Burrow and Herbert don't. I see those. I see that being a three-horse race now. Not yet by any stretch. Because obviously, Tua has played one game and he didn't look that good. To be completely no. fair, but no. I don't want to put all that on him because the defense just played so well that Tua really didn't get a chance to showcase anything. 
They got a kick return. They got an interception return. They got an interception return to the two-yard line, which they just ended up punching in. Mm-hmm. So if I'm betting, which I don't think I will in this one, but I lean maybe putting some money on Tua here. I think he's plus 1,025 when you compare it to uh, Burrow and Herbert, which are minus like 168 and plus 218. I think the oh – no, I'm looking at the – Last odd, plus 100 for Herbert, who's the betting favorite at even money, and plus 105 for Burrow. So it's really, really close there. But I would lean uh, to actually plus 1,700 for Tua. Mm. Yeah, that might, that might be worth uh, throwing a sprinkle on just yeah. a little bit, you know. But uh, I really want to go Burrow here just because the Bengals, like we've already established, are the much worse team, and he is single-handedly willing them to – at least cover every game. <laughs> but, yeah, the counting stats are what matters here, and Herbert has been nothing short of a revelation for a team that, like you guys have said, better offensive line, better established weapons, and and he hasn't even had a rushing attack yet, honestly. Like, he hasn't had Eckler, and he's had to use Justin Jackson and not even Josh Kelly yet, which is he's a little been strange. Awful. Yeah. Well, he I, hasn't been utilized, I guess, but – I have I yeah. had a lot of stock in Josh Kelly in some fantasy he's leagues. Been terrible though. Yeah, a little, little disappointment. He has not looked good so far this yeah, year. Yeah, I, I don't know. Besides that what... first two or three weeks or four weeks, he looked good early, but since Eckler went down, huge disappointment. Yeah, so I, I mean, it, the counting stats are going to say Herbert, but I've really liked what Burrow has done with Cincinnati. So if you're just going like pure heart and poise, I would go Burrow. But you know, counting stats are what matters, and it's going to be uh, Herbert. So Plus, let's not forget again the storyline driven narrative of everyone thought Herbert was going to be a bust and look what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, considering the guy he was taken at the number six pick the year before. Eh. Mm. Oops. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let, let's uh, wrap this up on uh, something that I can hold you guys to at the end of the season. So let's uh, go through our playoff teams real quick. So seven per conference. I'm sure a lot of these are going to be cake for a lot of us. So, uh, Avery, let's start with you. So, uh, let's start with NFC first. So, we don't need seeds. So, let's just go uh, East. East, the Eagles are going to win the division with probably six wins. Okay. Uh, North? Um, My MVP, Aaron Rodgers, which I said before, 14 wins. Oh, you have the Eagles going six, nine, and one. Nice. Uh, four, nice. Nice. All right. Packers going 14 and two. Uh, South. Um, I think they're going to struggle a little bit, but ah, this is a toss up, man. This is close. Yeah. Ah, this one's really tough. I, I've got this, my pick here already. I, I'm, I'm going to stick with the chalk. I think the Buccaneers pull this one off. Uh, I, think the Saints, I think the Saints can make a really good run for it, and I think they will. But I just don't think Drew Brees has everything that Tom Brady has to come over and beat them. So that I think the Buccaneers are winning my division there. How many wins there, you think? I think that's going to be <coughs> oof, 12 wins. Okay. Wow. All right. Uh, West, I'm assuming – I think I know this answer, but – yeah, I mean, it's going to be Mr. Unlimited and the Seattle Seahawks at 6-1 um, and one now. They probably get in their 13 wins. Okay. 
maybe and, 12. Uh, that's my hope for 12 because that means Aaron Rodgers gets the MVP if he gets in there with 12, I think. That, that is true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that could be a big factor there. All right, and your three wild cards. So my three wild cards are going to be the Saints. Okay. Um, it's going to be the Cardinals, and it's going to be the Rams. Okay. Uh, Stodge, let's go through yours for the NFC first. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll start in the East once again. Um, it's going to be the Eagles. Um, and I do agree on six wins. I just – I think they will actually rewrite history as the worst division winner in the history of the NFL. That will be confirmed. Yeah. Um, transitioning over to where, – where did you guys go second? We went, we went north. North. Okay, so obviously give me the Packers. Okay. Um, and give me the Packers at – give me the Packers at 13 wins. Okay. Uh, I think that they end up losing to Chicago, actually, but blowing the doors off of Tennessee. I I, I agree. I think if there was one loss for the Packers, my money would be on a Chicago loss. I agree. Okay. All Um, right. To the South, this is where we differ. Give me the Saints. Ooh, okay. Give me the Saints at 11. Okay. Obviously, a lot of losing (laughs) between now and the end of the season for the Bucs, but – the schedule that we talked about before kind of points to what it is that I'm talking about, at least that, that four-game stretch where I personally, if I were to break it down, I see them losing either two or three out of that four-game stretch and then having one of those freak losses possibly to Atlanta, just a, a Raheem <laughs> Morris rally the troops kind of game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the talk is good at that. <laughs> Obviously, uh, give me Mr. Unlimited and give okay. me Mr. Unlimited with a nice, juicy, juicy 13 win record. Okay. To match the Packers. Okay. Um, and then here's my little bonus content for you. Mm. Give me the Seahawks beating out the Packers on the one seed because of that second division loss to the Chicago Bears. Ooh. I like it. Okay. So that's your one seat. Got it. And Avery's the Packers, the one seat. Okay. Yep. Uh, how about your uh, wild cards? I think right, I wild can, cards. I think me, I have an idea, but yeah, obviously give me Tampa Bay at the number one spot. Give me the Rams and then give me the Cardinals. And I do specifically have, I can't remember who's ahead in the standings right now. I believe it's the Cardinals. Yes. Uh, yes. Give me the Rams surpassing the Cardinals. Okay. Uh, Avery. I guess we're both kind of throwing away the Bears here at five and three. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm gonna make mine pretty quick here. I got the Eagles winning the East at seven, eight, and one, which would match the the Panthers from. Uh, oh God, that was a while ago when they went seven, eight, and one to win the division. That was a long, long time ago. Yeah. So I'll look it, I'll look it up as you keep going. But 2010? No, 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 no. That was the year they got Cam Newton. Or they were yeah, no, I think like 2013. 14. 2014. 14? There yep. it is. 14. Okay, so 7-8-1, book it. Um, I have the Packers winning, and I'm going to say uh, I'll give them 13-3 also in the north. Uh, for the south, I think there's a dimension to Tampa that we haven't explored yet. So I'm going to say Tampa wins it, and I'm also going to give them a 12-4. and four. So I'm going to agree with Avery there. And then I'm also going to put Seattle at 13 and three. I know what a surprise. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So my wild cards, I'm going to go with, uh, I forget if the Cardinals and saints will play each other. 
I didn't look that up beforehand. My apologies. So I'm going to say Saints are my five, Cardinals are my six, Rams are my seven. Cardinals and Saints do not play each other. Okay, so I'm just going to say the Saints will take the tiebreaker, however that shakes out. Uh, All right, Avery, let's go with the AFC. So AFC East. All right, so uh, let's just skip this. I'm just kidding. The Bills are going to win. That's I don't. That's it. Simple as that. Chalk, rock, chalk, Jayhawk. Let's go. Rock, chalk, Jayhawk. <laughs> How many wins? Ten. Yeah. All right. AFC North. I think we know that this one is. AFC North will be the Pittsburgh Steelers at fourteen and two. Okay. AFC South. This one. This one's interesting. AFC South will be the Indianapolis Colts at ten, at ten and six. There it is. I was hoping you would say that. And West, I think we know the answer to this. The one. West will be the Kansas City Chiefs at the number one seed at fifteen and one. Ooh, they went out. out. Yep. Okay. And your three wild cards. My three wild cards. See, this is where it gets a little bit dicey. <laughs> Ravens lock them up. Titans lock them up. Okay. There's a few different options here. Okay. You, could, you could go Browns. You could go Raiders. You could even go Dolphins if you really like the Dolphins. Uh, I'm looking something up as we go here real quick. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, Broncos, oh, yeah. Lock Chargers, it up. No, I, I see, I've seen all that I needed to say. Oh. Third wildcard team is going to be the Dolphins. Oh, love it. They have I, Rams and Cardinals. A little tough there. Okay. Chargers, Broncos, Jets, Bengals. I think they win all four of those. Okay. Chiefs, they're going to lose. Yep. They're going to beat the Patriots. Six. This is the six. game. They're going to beat the Raiders. Go 10 and 6. Ooh, okay. And then they're wow. going to lose to the Bills. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. A little, little spice to throw it in there. But I, I, I love it. That's great. Stodge, uh, your AFC predictions, please. You I got guess. it. I'll keep it realistic while at the same time it's a little <laughs> spicy for you in terms of content here, Corey. Love All it. right. So um again, where did you start? AFC East. Keep orders. AFC yes. East? All right. Automatic. Give me the uh Bills. Um give them to me at nine wins. Ooh, okay. Uh the AFC North. All right, the AFC North. Again, obvious. Give me the Steelers. Give me the Steelers at um 15 and 1. Okay. So that's probably your one seed. Uh, AFC South. The AFC South is where I get a little spicy. Give me the Titans, not on the back of their own success, but on the back of Phillip Rivers' old man arm, losing them the division, <laughs> and a little bit of foreshadowing a playoff spot. Oh, okay. How many wins for the Titans? <clears throat> uh, give me the Titans at. 10 wins. Busting with the boys coming in clutch again. Uh, AFC West, I, I, how many wins for the Chiefs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Chiefs at 14. Okay, so the Steelers are the one seed. And your three wild cards. All right, here's where I'll get spicy for you. So obviously we're locking in the Raiders just because I can't be – sorry, excuse me, the Ravens because we can't be unrealistic. They will have the right. five seed. Um, but then that's, that's where I get spicy. My other two wild cards will be the Dolphins and the Raiders. Excuse me. The Raiders. Okay, Teach. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. All right. Uh, once again, uh, keeping this short, that's what I do. Uh, Buffalo will win the East at 10 and 6. Uh, in the AFC North, I'll take the Steelers at 
Hmm. I'll take them at 13 and three. I say they are so far ahead. They kind of lighten up at the end here. Uh, in the South. Oh, this is so close. Even every analytic has like both teams within like a 10th of a win apart. But based on that, it's the Colts are up a 10th of a win. So I'm taking the Colts at 10 and six. And I'm going to take the Chiefs at 13 and three also. But the Steelers are my one seed for that. Uh, wild cards, I'm going to go Ravens. We've already kind of established that. Uh, Titans at the six. And then the seventh spot is where it gets interesting. Because I really think it sits as it is. I think it's Browns or Raiders. And I'm going Raiders. The Raiders. I like that. I don't, no, think, I don't think the Browns can hold on to this. And plus, the Raiders, the Raiders just beat the Browns this week, this past week. So if they end up both at nine and seven, let's say, which is pretty realistic at this point, the, Ra- the Raiders have head-to-head. So yeah. see you, Agreed. Cleveland. Okay. Uh, let's go with our championship weekend here. So top two teams at each conference. Uh, Avery, go ahead. The top two teams in each conference. So yep. the AFC will be the Chiefs and the Steelers. Okay. And let me flip it over to the NFC. Oh, yeah, it's obvious it's going to be the two MVP candidates here. It's <laughs> going to be uh, Green Bay and Mr. Unlimited and the Seahawks. Okay. Uh, Stodge, what you got? All right. Um, give me a little bit of an upset here, actually. Um, in the NFC, we're going to go the Seahawks and the Bucks. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, uh, based purely on a Green Bay versus the Bucks matchup the weekend before. Um, and then in the AFC, give me the Steelers and the Chiefs, because I just, I mean, I'd be lying if I tried to spice that up. Yeah, that, that would be a little unfair. Uh, so I'm going to go with, uh, I'm also going to do the same thing. I'm going to go Tampa and Seattle. Um, in the NFC, and then I'm also going to do the same thing. Yes, yeah, so I'm literally copying Stanch here. Uh, Chiefs, Steelers in the AFC. Clearly, I have my hands down Aaron Rodgers' pants right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, hey, to eh. be fair, I did not take Tampa Bay to win the division. I this do is take true. them to make it to the championship game. Okay, so now I need your Super Bowl matchup and your winner. All right, so I got the Kansas City Chiefs against the Green Bay Packers. And the winner of this will be the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> I, want, I want to do it so bad. I want to I know Packers, you do. But it's going to be the Chiefs in a repeat. That team is so good. Patrick Mahomes is by far the best player on the face of the earth right now. And he's just going to do it again and again and again. I don't – I. I can see him winning five Super Bowls in the next seven years. That's how good this guy is. Agreed. But I'll tell you what, I'll spice it up a little bit for you there. Um, while I do have it being the Seahawks and the Chiefs, obviously. Oh, here we I have go. The Seahawks winning, and you can book this. I have the Seahawks winning courtesy of a Le'Veon Bell fumble. If that happens, I'll eat a sock on stream. You guys can all watch me. Deal. Uh, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta bring this up. I, I hate to do it on the pod, but you make this bet a lot, Avery. I'm just wondering if you actually really want to eat a sock. <laughs> well, so the first <laughs> time, the first time I've, I made this bet, 
and it's the classic video that I'm sure most of you guys have seen. Mm-hmm. I said, if the Giants draft Josh Allen at number six, I will eat a sock. So I'm sitting here. I got my phone set up. I have my Michigan hoodie on because, you know, I, I like pain. And I have a sock in my hand waiting for all to say the Giants draft future Hall of Famer Josh Allen. And lo and behold, we take that fucker from Duke who sucks. I am so off the Daniel Jones train. So now we're back. And you know, you, you, you guys are PMT guys. It's like the pinky bet. I have a sock bet, okay? The sock bet reoccurs, and it's just something that's never going to happen. The Giants making a good draft pick, LOL. Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell costing the team a Super Bowl on a fumble. It's not going to happen. I'll put a sock on it. It could totally happen, it though. It could. You never know. I mean, Russ wasn't supposed to throw the ball at the goal line, right? I mean. <laughs> yeah, moral of the story is the Chiefs lose, but by no fault of the man, the myth, the legends, Patty Mahomes. Mahomes. Uh, all right. I'm going to go. Ooh. Stanch, I really hate how much I'm agreeing with you here, but I'm going to switch one thing up here. So I'm also going Seattle and Kansas City in the Super Bowl, but I got the Chiefs winning. Fair enough. I think they're a better complete team, and I think defensively they've been really good, and that's something that hasn't really gone noticed this year for sure. And when you put that de- when you put that defense, obviously they're not a great defense, but when you have a competent defense and then you just add Patrick Mahomes scoring 40 a game – how do you beat that? You don't. I, I mean, Tyrod Matthew was a perfect ad last year when they got oh, him. Yeah. And, you know, Chris Jones is up the middle. Like, there are three defensive tackles in the league that can do whatever they want rushing the passer. And that's Chris Jones on the Chiefs. That's Aaron Donald mm-hmm. on the Rams. And that's Grady Jarrett on the Falcons. After that, there is a, there is a graph, I believe, um, if I mess this up, I'm sorry. I believe it was Seth Walder on ESPN Analytics tweeted this. The pass rush win rate of those three guys is more than twice of everybody else. Like, I think Fletcher Cox is number four, and it's not even close. That's absolutely ridiculous. It's pretty sad that the Giants love to draft defensive tackles, but they like to have them all be big more run stuffers. Yeah. We we trade our big homie, and then what do we do? Dexter Lawrence, come on down. Come on down, Dexter Lawrence. Trade for Leonard Williams. Yes. Calvin Tomlinson. <laughs> Just stack them up. Come on. <laughs> you can't run on us. All right. Guys, so I have your Super Bowl picks locked, and I will remember them, and I will bring you back so we can torment each other with these picks, all right? But and when, when Rodgers wins, I'll come back, and I'll be laughing at you guys. Well, you're our record guest here. Like, you, you're going to come back. Yeah, you gotta no, keep the record alive. When when Rogers wins MVP, like I want like a thirty second like spur of the moment podcast where it's just us talking, and maybe maybe it'll be just thirty minutes, not thirty minutes, thirty seconds, but it'll just be me laughing, and and playing with my money that I won because I do have a bet on Aaron Rodgers to win the okay or win the MVP. Okay, fair enough. Uh, guys, any last thoughts on uh, the NFL season so far uh, as we know it, and what you want to expect from the rest of the season? Uh, yeah, the biggest thing that I'll give you is just a quick moment to remind everybody listening to sit down and appreciate the fact that we still have an NFL season, boys and girls. We're not dealing with some 60-game MLB Bush League stuff here. <laughs> this is the greatest organization in professional sports doing what they do best and making it happen 
even as new cases pop up on teams across the country every given week. I'm appreciating it gratefully. And I can't wait to watch it continue happen all the way through the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, COVID's no problem when there's a high school practice field just blocks away you can just go to. <laughs> right? But now, yeah. some, I'm really looking forward to watching the Miami Dolphins. I said from the beginning, I thought Tua was going to be the best quarterback out of this draft. I loved, loved, loved him in Bama. I remember watching him come in against Georgia the second half, saving Jalen Hurts' ass. That's another question I have for you. What are the Eagles? What are the Eagles gonna do here? Because number one, you got Wentz who's allergic to the playoffs, and Hurts, who had to get benched in a big game to win. So like, come the end of the season when maybe they're good, the Eagles, you need another quarterback. You need a third one. Odds you could trade for Mitch. I like it. Get the other half of the Chicago <laughs> quarterback to. Yeah, but I agree with you, Stange. I think I'm, it's really a. Uh, Really a blessing to sit back and actually just watch the NFL happen, even with cases popping up, but really watch out for those Miami Dolphins for the rest of the season. Yeah, and uh, I'll be really thankful to watch my below 500 division winning Eagles uh, win the, the NFC least again this year. Uh, <laughs> uh, how, my interesting thing will be how bad is that division going to be? Like how truly bad will the end result be? Is it six wins? Is it seven wins? Is it five? There's scenarios where it could even be four, which means the Eagles close the year winning one more game. So ridiculous. Yeah, but it could happen. So, you know, like you guys said already, great to have football back. We're going to have basketball back in the very near future, especially college in a couple weeks. Poor Lakers. Uh, What's a rest? What's a break? You know, uh, a month ago. We'll start in a month. Wah. And all right. we'll win it all again, baby. Yeah. All right, LeBron, stop crying. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, guys, thank you for joining. Uh, Stodge, we will see you next week for our uh, NBA draft preview. Very excited for that. Yeah, now that you got a taste of having me on your podcast, you realize how desperately you want me to keep coming back. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And uh, – We'll have something uh, else planned uh, for you guys. So uh, all my listeners, stay tuned for that. Avery, uh, thanks for joining us again and breaking the record. So uh, you have it over Norm for uh, at least right now. Yeah, I mean, that record's not going to stand in a a few weeks, but. (laughs) Well, well, you know, but hey, all that means is you just have to keep coming on and, you know, the record's yours. That's all. All right, recurring guest. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought, like. Recurring guest is at two times, right? This is four. Recurring guest is at one time, let's be honest. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're our best friend now, so you have to. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, let's go football. It's been a pleasure. You well, boys. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the Corey Andrews Podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, and more, and rate and review. Next week's episode will see the returns of Norm and Stange as we preview what could be a bananas 2020 NBA draft and give you a taste of an exciting new collaboration we have in store for you. So stay tuned for that and more on the Corey Andrews podcast.